All right, it's DT Systems, dog tested and dog tough. You know, we like that dog in them, baby. We've been using the H2O1820. Over the last several months, we've been playing with this unit. Our friends at Standing Stone Kennels, Ethan and Kat, they've been using it for years, and we've been playing with it. We really like it. I think for the dog trainer, the hunter, and the guy or gal who's training their dog to get ready for duck season, we'll really enjoy the 1820. Super reliable, super consistent, great unit for you and your dogs. H2O1820. Dog tested. Dog. Gunner Kennels, baby. Hashtag man's best kennel. Well, it's also now hashtag man's best food crate. It's freaking raccoon proof. You can't get into this thing. Your dog can't bust into the lid and eat all the food. Trust me, I know Memphis has done it in the past. She looks like a blown up pumpkin. Boom. But not anymore. We've got the Gunner Kennel food crate. It's easy to pack easy to store, keeps food dry, which food's an investment, man. That Purina, baby, it ain't cheap anymore. So keep it dry, good, all that stuff. Easy to pack, easy to store. The Gunner Kennel Food Crate, slide into DMs if you'd like to learn more. Have you wondered if you want to force fetch your dog? Maybe you think your dog's too soft. Maybe you're too nervous to screw, quote unquote, screw your dog up. Let me help you. I built a start to finish course with different dogs, different breeds, and different personalities from start to finish to show you how that you and your dog can do it successfully and easy. Jump in, links in the description. We'd be happy to help you. Let's go. Let's set goals and get you and your dog where you want to be this duck season. Well, 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 we got another one for you. Welcome to the Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. We got my buddy Doug from Soggy Dog Gear on the line, and we're really excited to have him a part of our show and announce a fun contest later in the episode. So stay tuned so that you can enter to win a pretty sick dog training package. And I love using the word package. I don't know why. I just do. But first, let's do some of that. Good housekeeping, baby. We got that Yukonuba, the food that fuels the truck of Lone Duck. And cool little fact, Doug just finished his first bag on his Yukonuba challenge. Doug, tell us what you think. So far, so good. We uh, we did a gradual switch from uh, from the old food because they were not doing so well on the old on the old uh, the old food and. Uh, so far, we've been good. Energy levels good. Coats look awesome. I've uh, got a twenty six for the older dog, and my younger dog's running the we're running the thirty. So we're one third of our way through the ninety day challenge. Good for you, man. Good for you. Well, I'm glad you took the challenge. It's uh, I think you'll be very pleased. I always tell people, man, by ninety days, the dog should start showing signs of him, like. I wouldn't say improvement because maybe they're already on a good nutritious dog food, but you want to try something different, but you know, teeth, coat, you know, fecal samples, all that jazz is going to really start to shine through on that last third bag type of thing. Um, so good, good on you, brother. Thanks for joining the Yukonuba team and taking the challenge, taking the plunge. And I'm glad your dogs are doing well. Uh, next up Gunner kennels, you know, it man's best kennel. Made in America, company is awesome. 
and they share our values with the unspoken bond. If you'd like to get into a gunner kennel, you can shoot us a little direct message on Instagram, the old at Lone Duck, and we'll hook you up. Fact of the day, with uh, for those of you who signed up for gunner kennels, their emails, stuff like that, they've been sending out a lot of orthopedic dog beds lately. Old Mr. Buck. Is he? Oh, he he's front and center, baby. Front and center. Front and center. Love yeah. it. His handsome. old bones like that orthopedic dog bed. Yeah, handsome as hell. That's right. That's what's up. My old yellow lab buck. All right, next up. Dogtra, the collar I've been using for God, it's got to be close to twelve years now. Old box, oh yeah, well, <laughs> so about twelve years I've been using Dogtra and supporting them, and they support us. And Doug, you a Dogtra man, aren't you? Absolutely love Dogtra. I uh, love it so much. I'm going to be joining Mr. Pete Fisher of the Master Nationals to help rep some Dogtra. So I'm a Dogtra Edge RT guy through and through. There you nice. go. Wouldn't nice. have it any other way. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. Uh, every day I use my Edge RT, and then I always sell the 1900s to your obedience dogs or your gun dogs. Um, they've got the two unit, so two collars, two dogs with that 1902 S. And uh, if you have more than two dogs, or you're like you're a real serious trainer, you want to really get into it, that Edge RT won't do you wrong and you can find those at loneduckoutfitters.com and i bet you can find them on soggy dog can't you yeah you can and uh i don't know if i call myself a serious trainer so i, I downgrade to the 1900s when we uh when we head out hunting oh yeah a little small easier to carry yeah but yeah that's just being like a smart smart man toss it in the yeah, waters like it, it's handy yeah, hundred percent agree. I, you know, I did the the one year with the the big RT, and it it was the antenna one not clunking around. But I absolutely love that nineteen hundred S for for clipping down the inside of the waders. Perfect size. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And that's why we sell it to everybody. You know, it's just it's a great all around unit. It's bulletproof. All right, next up, shooter shoot. That speaking of bulletproof, speaking of bulletproof, shooter shoot baby. That. Mm, I Kevin and I shot clay birds the other day and we sucked. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. And so had a good time. Yeah, having a good time and shooting, you know, actually hitting the clay birds is more fun than just shooting a gun near a clay bird. In the vicinity. <laughs> in its vicinity. And so it opened our eyes and I feel like because the whole country is on an ammunition lockdown, you know, we I I don't know about everybody else, but we're not shooting a ton so that we like keep the stockpile. It, it's easy to go through a hundred rounds shooting clay birds in like a half an hour. Right. And then you just see your stockpile go down, like, down, well, down. That was fun. We'll do it can, again next year. <laughs> I can tell you what we are stocked on. Mm, bismuth. I'm not shooting bismuth at those clay birds. <laughs> I'm waiting for old, them down, though. old them down. Eduardo Malardo, <laughs> the green top. That's what you're, you're shooting business at the clays, and I need to become a professional dog trainer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's <dude>. right. <laughs> yeah, no, hard no. Uh, so get you into that, Kent. Follow him on Instagram. It's Kent Cartridge on Insta. Lasty, but not leasty. No, we got some other ones. Hold on. Excuse me. Traeger Grills. Smoke them if you got them, baby. We got that meat. We got a little Traeger commercial coming out. Yours truly, Uncle Bob. Just, just get excited. Just get excited. It's a little quirky. It's a little awesome. You're going to be really, really uh, pleased to know that I look like a dummy. A little bit of a dummy, but it's going to mm. be a good commercial. I'm excited. 
um, the Traeger Ironwood 885. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. We just got the final edit. There's maybe a few more things to tweak, so I don't look so, like such a dummy, but it'll be fun. It was really fun to do. Um, so check them out. Traeger on the old Instas. Smoke them if you got them. Uh, mini shout out. They're not a true sponsor. He's just a good friend of mine. Is Handler's Choice Leads. I thought you were going to say Doug, but go on. Oh, yeah. Well, hell yeah, Doug. <laughs> Doug's going to have a whole episode <laughs> about Doug's Doug. Doug's got his own episode. You wait, Doug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Handler's Choice Leads. My boy Elliot down in South Carolina. He helps all of us guys, you know, maybe not so much up here in the Yankee land, but down south, everybody's got a Handler's Choice lanyard for their whistle and tabs for steady tabs or like the what do you handlers lead i don't know with the choke chain taking them to the line um i've been using it this whole summer at my hunt's ass and and i'm really really pleased with it. elliot is a good dude check him out handlers choice baby and cable gangs he just sent me a new uh eight dog cable gang it's cable gangs with a z on instagram and i told him we'd talk about it on the podcast it is, if you like a tie-out, if you want your dogs out of the dog box while you're training them, give them fresh air, or you know it's super humid and hot in the summertime, and you've got a wet dog, it's best to let them dry out a little bit, get them in the shade, let a little evaporation happen, help cool the dog down so you don't just stick a hot, humid dog, wet dog in a box, and that humidity fills around the dog, and his dog box is going to be pretty hot. So... Check them out on Instagram, Cable Gangs with a Z. All right. Lastly, Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you in tune with us, them in tune to you, all that jazz, and the old Patreons.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. We've got less, no, we got six weeks until we announce our Pit Boss all expenses paid trip with me and Kevin to go hunt with the Pit Boss. And we do happy hours where we do live meetings and have fun. I answer your questions. It's like buying me and Kevin a beer, jump on Patreon, and be entered to win with the Pit Boss, baby. All right, Doug. Welcome to the show, dude. Thanks, man. I've appreciated it. I've, uh, I've been waiting for my, for this invite. I'm telling you, <laughs> that you know, I'm, I'm not that quite uh, podcast celebrity level yet, so I figured I'd, I'd be on the, on the B list waiting for my turn to come up to the pros. Well, it's funny because you're on the C list, but we've gotten all the way We already the... rifled through the Bs, <laughs> and <laughs> here we are. well you invited me on your hunter's happy hour with uncle ron bame and nick larson and birds buds and booze podcast tyler man what a blast we had that but that was like covid time yeah i want to say it's probably uh what about a year ago may yeah and uh probably one of the the most watched episodes i'd have to say or these repeated watched episodes and then i think when we were done we probably sat up for another hour and a half two hours uh not recording and drinking and shooting the shit so yeah it was it was an absolute blast yeah man i was half cocked by the end of that one just being frank with everyone <laughs> me and uncle ron we we get talking <laughs> excuse me and the beers were uh, flowing he's a right when you're doing it over video you you've got uh a clear vision of how uh, how fast Ron's putting him back, and you feel like there's this competition to at least keep up with him to make him uh, to feel like he's in company, and uh, not the average Joe is going to hang with with Uncle Ronnie. I agree. I agree. Um, if you don't know who we're talking about, Uncle Ron is Ron Bame from the Hunting Dog Podcast, 
and uh, another great podcast that you all should should jump on and listen to. Um, we're trying to line up a trip to Michigan. Me and old sweet girl Andy, we're gonna go grouse hunting uh, with my college buddy Hammer, who's running his first natural ability test in like two or three weeks. And uh, Ron's been helping them out a little bit in their NAVDA chapter. And so I'm going to try and pair two, you know, shoot two birds with one stone and, and hang out with my college buddy and, and grouse hunt and do a podcast with Uncle Ron. Yeah, there's no, uh, no downside there. Plus, you get to, to see his, uh, his infamous kennel and, and sit at the bar. And if you're really lucky, you can play in a Michigan game of Euchre with him. He cheats, so you got to watch it. I don't even know how to play Euchre. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Well, we'll, we'll uh, we can teach it because I think I'm going to try to sneak down when you do make it up. That'd be awesome, man. That'd be awesome. All right. Hopefully you'll get to sneak up north. Doug, tell everyone a, a little bit about yourself and, and who you are, what you do, and how you got into the game. Yeah, absolutely. So, Doug Prankio, I am the uh, the owner and uh, head dog at Soggy Dog Gear. We are a very small gun dog supply company that, uh, when I say small, it's me and my wife. We run it out of a basement, and now we're pushing out into the garage. Um, we've been doing this for, I don't know, seven years now. I needed a, a way to help fund the the passion in the hunt test game. We were just newly married. So going out and spending 300 bucks on a winger and then another 300 bucks on a electronics that really wasn't in the cards for me. So I, I needed a way to, to help pay for some of that. And, uh, what better way was to take all of the, the extra play money we had and go bunch of, buy a bunch of gear and hope it sells. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's how I got into it you know lone duck was a t-shirt and hat company and we sold e-collars and wingers and you know did the old instagram and facebook and chasing hunt test and yeah traveling around on the back of the yep yeah i had like yeah, that, that grassroots is, is probably the most effective way of uh of getting your name out getting down and uh and just meeting people and and word of mouth is is a very powerful thing Absolutely. So what is, what are some things that people can find on your website? Uh, so basically anything and everything used to, to train a gun dog. We've got, you know, launchers and electronics, uh, tracking collars, e-collars, um, not just for retrievers, but pointing dogs. And there's, there's some stuff in there for the, the obedience pet people and bumpers, uh, holding blinds, a lot of hunt test stuff like uh, gun stands and handlers jackets and whistles it really is kind of an all-inclusive uh we primarily focus in uh on the retriever stuff just because that's just where my heart is and, and my roster of dogs uh are all retrievers so our focus is there but we have a little bit of something there for everybody that's cool and you've got training books and dvds uh you know i i've not got into the to the uh the dvds yet i've been talking with uh with barbara over at young glove but um I do have I do have some some books, some uh, retriever handlers drills, and uh, if you listen long enough to to make it to the end, and we talk about the giveaways, that'll be uh, included in it. But yeah, all inclusive. I mean, we have we have just about everything, and we're just now starting to branch off into our own uh, our own product line. So we're building our own holding blinds and our own tieouts and nice. gun stands and whatnot. So we're we're starting to expand the brand and kind of make it uh, give it a little life and and uh, try to make it with some of our own products and hopefully fix uh fix margins and make it a little bit more competitive for everybody good for you and i noticed that you came i didn't notice that's a weird word i saw and, <laughs> and i liked your bird bag that you came out with 
Yeah. So that was, you know, kind of a serendipity thing that happened. Uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, isn't working on that bag, um, with a, with another partner of his for a while. They, they brought over a bag from the UK, made a, a lot of changes to it, to and improvements to, to make it almost escape proof. And, uh, when it got down to past the testing phase and getting it out to market, he just, he's got so much stuff on his other plate. He says, you know, Doug, you want to, want to help take this over and, and kind of make it your own. And, so I, I kind of really, it was a serendipity thing, but it's been a, it's been a good product and it's, it's got a lot of, a lot of great benefits and it's something that hopefully uh, everyone else has seen value in and, and it's going to last a long time for everybody. So what is it exactly? It, tell everybody what it is and then what makes it special. Yeah. So it's, it's a, uh, like a, a British style uh, game bag. So it's a little bit bigger. My, my wife would, would call it a purse. You know, so it's, it's quite a bit larger than your typical uh, black and orange mesh bag. Um, it'll hold, you know, six to ten pigeons. It'll hold a couple of hen roosters. Um, some ducks and navy guys are using them for ducks um, down in Robbie's Club. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's made out of a like a slick PVC and nylon in the inside. So the birds really can't get a grip on it. And then it's got gussets sewn um, on the top of it. So when you do open up the bag, the birds can't scoot out the side. So you can hold a lot of birds there's really no way for the birds to escape and the, the flap that kind of covers the bag is, is heavy enough to keep in even the roosters and ducks. So it's just, a, it's just a really good design um, to fit a lot of birds, um, good ventilation and um, make the birds super comfortable, but then it's super easy in and out where, you know, you're instead of pushing a spring to try to get a bag open to, to pull a bird out and losing dollars coming out the side of it. It's uh, it's super easy to get in and out of. How many cocks do you think you can fit in there? I exactly two. <laughs> exactly two. Nice. And I meant pheasants, everyone. Okay. Yep. Relax. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Two big pheasants can fit in that bag. Yeah. Tails might be hanging out the back, but that's all right. It, it'll hold them. How about a, it'll uh, hold them. Eduardo Milardo? Eduardo, right? I don't know. You have to buy one and see. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Cool, man. Well, I, I saw the video of you showing it to everybody and like launching the product. And I sat there and looked at it. I'm like, dang, that's pretty smart. You know, you can fit a dozen. It looked like you could fit a dozen pigeons in there where all the other bags that you get a break. Like I go through pigeon bags for my, the pointing dogs here, like two, two, three a year. They're just junk. But I'm going to have to get me. Yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty common thing and the, the nice thing so when it was being tested each bag um was basically given to a couple of pro uh field trial guys that work in the spaniel world and they've cycled two three thousand birds to these bags and with just with really good success with keeping them in and, and keeping birds alive so they've they've each of these bags the demo bags i mean i think they were tested for 18 almost two years 18 months two years um with thousands and thousands of birds each bag and they've uh, they've held up, and with the exception of you know being a little dirty on the inside, um, still look new. Good. So um, there's it, it, a little bit of uh, hesitation, I think, because you know they see the vent holes on the bottom, and there's only I think ten vent holes that are just one inch holes across the bottom, and, and I think we're, we're conditioned to see that black netting and that it's offering some sort of superior ventilation for the birds. And if you're in super high climates, I think there might be some truth to that, but. You know, we, we've had these birds in these bags, um, 80 degrees, 85 degrees. And, you know, if you're kind of doing the right thing and, and putting just the birds in that you need and getting them to where they need to go, they, um, the birds do really well in them. That's awesome, man. Probably the most, 
impressive part of that video, though, was the fact that my dog sat on the place board while the bird flew away. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same we were, thing. <laughs> we, I was not anticipating that. I thought we were going to have a funny blooper video. That's it awesome. didn't work out that way. That's awesome. Tell us about your dogs. What you got? Yeah, so I've got uh, I've got a, just about an eight-year-old yellow female. She's a, a pointing lab that, uh, that I picked up up in northern Michigan and uh, kind of cut my teeth. Uh, really getting in for kind of the start to finish, um, you know, from the puppy through a finished dog with her made a crazy amount of mistakes with her. Um, I think like every young trainer, I, you know, it was, uh, an ego to get her to the test and get her to the line at a really young age. So I created all kinds of, of problems and, and deficiencies that, uh, I will probably spend the rest of her life trying to work out of. Um, but a really crazy talented dog. So she, she does a lot of good things and, and all of her faults are really my faults. Um, and we then bred her to a, uh, field trial, uh, lab out in Montana, Mr. LL Cool J, who is a two year Derby dog winner. And I think he's just a couple of points shy of an FC, um, done with an amateur handler and trainer. So he's a, he's a really talented dog. And, so I, I, he's, I think in the EE, so we got an all black litter and I kept a female out of that. So Miss Luna, she just hit the two year mark and, uh, he's probably the hottest dog, um, that I've ever owned. And I, and she's just, she's got dry for days. So as a guy that doesn't have a ton of experience training, I'm, uh, I'm learning what it means to, to be patient and go slow. <laughs> Dude, that, that's but, uh, extremely valuable, extremely valuable to talk about, you know? And especially what what would be fun to maybe take five, ten minutes is, you know, the things that you learned with your first dog, that yellow that you had mentioned, like the ego of going to the line too young or pushing them too fast or some of the mistakes you made. First off, we've all made them. And second off, let's talk about them because that's what we all learn from. So what are some things that you saw that you did that you're like, I didn't do that with a new one? Yeah, I think it's something that stuff you actually preach about all the time it's you know we we go on to double t and i see two days of success and we mouth out a double t and we're like okay let's you know let's, let's move to pattern blinds right and it's we get two days of pattern blinds or three days of pattern blinds and it's let's jump to swim by right and and, and just kind of moving that forward progression and moving super fast and she was a talented dog and she she got really good at tricking me into to thinking that she was better than what she was. And a lot of it is, you know, you can build a repetition of things in two or three days, but you know, that's, that's short-term memory. Long-term memory is, is the conditioning of doing thousands of reps. So it's impossible for them to forget it. Right. So I, I looked at what I did with, with Ollie, which is my first dog was I taught her really good short-term memory. Um, and that's, really good at, and it's, it's essentially tricking me into thinking that she was good and then pushing her and trying to rush her through the process and then putting her in a position to fail at the test where she just didn't have the obedience and didn't have uh, the confidence to do it. So I created a dog that just was really anxious, um, getting into the hole in line, really anxious sitting on the line. And, you know, it was times that we got to a finished test and we got through the test, but couldn't get past the honor bucket just because her anxiety was just so, was so great and built up so much in her just because I, I really rushed her through it and put her into things that she wasn't ready at like seven months old. Gotcha. So I, I did, I did a lot of wrong things for her. Um, and her daughter is, I'm trying to do the complete opposite. Um, and almost probably swinging too far in that opposite way where I, I might be doing things too much and not moving as fast as I should. So it's, you know, where's that balance? And that's something that I'm still trying to figure out. I think we all are still trying to figure it out, you know, 
we've had yeah. so lately I've had this conversation. Well, luckily I get to have it every week with people and, and I am blessed with this podcast because we get to have guests on that. Every time I do one, I, I ask questions that I want help with, or maybe they'd say something like, God, I know that that's a, I needed that. Right. And so I think everybody, you know, if you aren't learning, you're, you're dying or, or if you aren't growing, you're dying. And, you know, I've had the the pleasure of training with Clark Kennington, uh, this, I don't know, two weeks ago now. And our buddy KD Matthews, uh, is a bite dog, obedience, personal protection, uh, behavioral kind of guy. And he was in town visiting family and wanted to come and train with us. I'm like, hell yeah, man, come on. That's, that's fantastic. I'd like to spend an hour picking his brain. Uh, <laughs> you can, and you should. He's, he's yeah. super personable, like overly personable, great guy. And his episode will come out in probably a week or so. I would guess Kevin can, he's nodding. Yeah. He said, yeah, about a week. Uh, but he picked up on things that we do that Clark, Clark is a top, top contender in our country for super retriever series. He takes 15, 20 dogs to master national in the grand and passes them. I mean, he's, he's just a stud, right? But yeah, but KD saw things that we all don't see because we do it every day. And it, and he just brought a few things to light that was like, huh? And me and Clark looked at each other like, huh? So I'm going to maybe mount to something. Um, and it, and it was really neat. Great discussion. And then I got the pleasure to train, do like a mock contest day with my friend, Trish Jagoda, who's been on the podcast. And she's been doing this for 40 something years. You know, she was at the first NARA test when the first hunt test ever happened. You know, how much knowledge does she have packed into that brain? Yeah. It'd be like talking to Omar Driscoll <laughs> about that first test. That's crazy. Yeah. It was unreal. And so she, you know, I'm like, Hey, you know, nitpick me, tell me what you would do different. And some of the things that she brought up were like, Hmm, interesting. All right. Let's think about that. And so over the last two weeks, I've been thinking a lot about how I do things and why we do things. And so it's, it's just fun to be reflective. It's fun to think outside of the box. And, you know, that, that to me is, is the rub, like, you can train a dog and, and I feel like everybody who listens to this podcast is doing a good job with their dog. Right. But there's always right. something we can work on always. Yeah. And I think, you know, to, if you want to be, you know, you can be a good trainer, you know, and, and kind of learn as you go. And if you want to be a great trainer, you have to become a student of the, of the game, right. You gotta, you have to be wanting, um, wanting to learn and wanting to be open to, to ideas and, and understanding kind of the different principles that, um, maybe it push you outside the norms of what the hunting dog world is. And that's just, it's funny you brought up the bite dog um, podcast. And I'm looking forward to hearing it. It's just the, the thing about, it seems like every other dog sport um, besides the gun dog world is that they figured out how to handle reactive dogs. They've, they've kind of mastered the ability to take a reactive dog or a dog with, with the high drive and impulse and uh, harness it and, and put it into, into check and, and get it to work for the dog versus against it. And it's, it's something that I've been thinking a lot about, especially with this dog that, you know, she's got so much drive and I, I, I finding the, um, the balance of how to help her manage that has been really hard for me. 
Um, you know, we're, we're constantly are taking steps backwards and, and reevaluating processes and what would normally work for every 99% of gun dogs or retrievers. I'm having to create this completely new process because the way that she learns is just completely different than anything that I've experienced before. And those bite guy or bite dog guys and all the police canine guys that they, you know, are arguably working with some of the highest breed drive dogs out there and they've just figured it out. And, and I've been really wanting to kind of get into that world. I, I've been looking into the Michael Ellis. He's, you know, a bite dog trainer and he does a lot of shits and, and, and kind of really evolved the, the marker training principle in to helping dogs kind of understand how to handle that reactiveness and, and using it um, as a tool for those types of dogs. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And it's something that I you know hope to continue to, to explore. Cause I think if we can figure out how to do that and bring it in, a lot more amateurs uh, will go a lot further with their dogs and, you know, we won't be washing so many out, you know, at, at young ages because they're, they're, you know, talking them up to too much driver untrainable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the theme of our podcast for like all summer long is these young dogs that I've got that are extremely talented, you know, gifted, but sometimes they can't get out of their own way because of the drive. And, you know, our world is breeding hotter and hotter and hotter dogs and mm-hmm. arguably softer dogs, you know, not yeah. all of them, but, but for whatever reason, it's like they're mildly sensitive yet high drive. So, you know, corrections can really tweak them pretty good, but then that can create more problems because they're thinking about corrections instead of doing right. And I agree with you. I think these guys have these guys meaning the bite dog world, the, the uh-huh. Malinois, you know, if you're not careful, he'll bite your arm off dog. Yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that like, I think kind of KD brought up to some degree is like those dogs still will make mistakes. And we don't see that on Instagram and we don't see that in the YouTubes and you know, whatnot. So like, just like, I guess I do my best to show dogs making mistakes at times during our stuff so that people can see how I handle it and describe it and talk about it. But at the end of the day, you know, most people are seeing the good and they might see like 10% of the bad or 20% of the bad. They don't see how you've built it from start to finish. Not because I don't want to show it. It's just like, I'm, I'm trained. I'm busy training. I got to have two hands. I got to, I got to be thinking. I can't be acting not acting but you know on camera if you will i gotta be well if you're worried about the camera then you're missing the the timing on your dog that's right as soon as you pull your phone out to video for the client the dog screws up that's just the name of the game um so i guess the the point i'm trying to make is he he did say like nah man they, they they're not perfect they make mistakes too but they have figured out a way to cap the drive and and have more discipline because if they didn't have that discipline somebody's getting ripped to shreds and i right. i really don't still know how they do it other than their level of structure and obedience is by far way better than ours and it's not and, and i think you hit it right there the obedience is way better than ours and where we're trying to, as gun dog owners, push to get them retrieving and picking up ducks and getting them in the water and feeling like we have to indoctrinate this 
uh, this mindset into a dog that should genetically want to do that. We're pushing them to into it just because we, that's kind of just always been the rule, get them on ducks, get them on birds. And while a bite dog guy is getting that same puppy, knowing he's going to be a bite dog, but doesn't the dog doesn't know he's going to be a bite dog till he's 10, 12 months old, 13 months old, because that they're worried about the foundation on the big, on the front end of it versus trying to deal with it the rest of the dog's life. That's right. He said, it's easy to get him to bite. It's hard to get him not to bite. And I think, yeah. you know, if we were to look at that from the retriever world, right? Um, not every dog likes to swim. Not every dog likes to pick up a duck. Not every dog has the same drive that we're talking about. And so we revert <laughs> back to build drive. How do you build drive? Short sessions, happy bumpers, get them jacked up, yep. high-pitched voice, da 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 Well, I can tell you right now, my little puppy, Jolene, dude, she came out the womb wanting to retrieve. She came out the womb yeah. swimming. She doesn't need me to build her drive. It's in her DNA to be a machine. It just is what, same with Quinn, same with Memphis, same with, you know, all of them, my own really. But at the end of the day, their obedience is what keeps them thinking straight. And it doesn't have to be hard on them. It just has to be consistent. So one of the things that KD brought up that, that's interesting, bud, because maybe it'll resonate with you a little bit. So he watched me and Clark train, and he's like, I've never seen dogs do what you guys do, stopping on a whistle at 200-some yards, taking a perfect cast. It, we did. We had a great day. Dogs look good. But then he's like, I've never had more people say, heard more people say sit and hear and heal, and the dog blow them off once you got off the line. So he was saying, in context, in the training moment, you've done it so much with that dog that in the moment, they know, boom, 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 get a duck. Boom, boom, do this, do that, do this, do that. I got a duck. So in context, and what I mean by, I'm trying to explain the in context. From the truck to the line, he's like, they were loose and sloppy and, you know, screwing around and not listening to you. But then once they got to the line, boom sit steady stopped on a whistle hammered the mark you know did everything you asked them to boom as soon as they were done with the line here come here here no here here he's like what the heck is this so in the moment they've been trained so much in the moment in context that they're flawless damn near right they still make mistakes but but mm -hmm. you've done it so much in the field that they know their job it's conditioned so much repetition 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 you know they're four years old two years old whatever they've been in it they get it but then he's like you're oh, everything else is so sloppy and he's like how many times have you told the dog sit and then just start walking and the dog walks at heel i'm like oh man every time he's like you didn't tell it to heel he just walked with you so he broke sit so hmm, interesting made me think and he goes you moved your hand a little bit, and that dog moved its butt a little bit. Now, on one hand, I like that because I can fi I'm can. i fine-tuning my dog, right? I got a little body language stuff, and I work. Mm -hmm. the dog works with me. We work together, but he goes, you didn't tell it anything. Now, I get where he's coming from, but there are times that you need that. But the point he was trying to make that I'm trying to make now, and he was a little more eloquent than I'm being, I guess, but if I told you sit, 
Don't move until I tell you to do something else. Sit. Now heal. Now sit. Now heal. Sit. Don't move again. And so I've been practicing, and I've seen an improvement. He's, it's, he's been gone two weeks now. I will do a drill from my truck to the line, in my yard, going to and from the airing yard, all sorts of stuff. I'll do, and, and I used to do it all the time, but I forgot. You just don't do it anymore. You just get busy. Sure. You just get through the reps, right? I got to get another dog yep. out. Boom. Got to get another dog out. Boom. But I will tell the dog sit and keep walking. I don't slow my pace down. And if they don't sit, they're getting some sort of correction back at sit. And then I walk away. I do a little loop around them. I stand next to them. Now heel, sit, and I keep walking. And I'm just trying to take what he mentioned and say, all right, let's do a little more obedience with these guys. My high-level dogs need more obedience. That's mildly embarrassing. Eye-opening. You know, I think, yeah, eye-opening. You think labs just, or not forget labs, let's say dogs in general compartmentalize tasks so well, right? So they compartmentalize what it means to be on training grounds, and that means a certain set of rules. They compartmentalize when you're at a um, when you're out in the field hunting. That's a certain set of rules, and when you get back home, they compartmentalize or that set of rules. So you know we've essentially created these multiple subsets of rules that, when in reality, all of them should be the same. And it's just us keeping going back to a consist a matter of fact of consistency. That's exactly his point. Great word is consistency. That's it. It's routine. Yeah. It's consistency. And then it becomes black and white for the dog. This is okay. This is not okay. And I think if we all think about the last seven minutes of this discussion and say, where in my day-to-day have I shown consistency and then shown gray area? Dogs understand black and white. Gray area is tough for them. They're kind of like, huh, what do you mean? Or I'm not sure of myself here. But if it's black and white and I've shown them and I've taught them and I've done it over and over and again and it's black and white, they're going to prosper, they're going to be more confident, and they're going to do it. As soon as you enter that gray zone, now they're like, well, did I get away with something? Is he mean now? Does he mean not now? I'm not sure. And so I've, I've been, yeah, I've been better in my airing yard with them. I've been better just, and now I'm noticing the dogs who are sloppier than the others. Like you kind of start seeing like, boy, I had to call that dog three times before it listened. This should be snappy. Something that I, you know, you did a podcast. I'm going to forgive me. Is it maybe two or three episodes ago about just high drive dogs and dogs with giddy up. Right. Um, you know, I'm, would consider myself a really task focused person. So I'm, you know, I'm moving boom, boom, boom. And it's task, task, task. And, you know, I think there's, I wonder if there's something to taking a high dry dog. And when you, when we get to the training grounds, I think as a trainer, we almost become task focused because, you know, we, we come out with a purpose. We know the tests we want to run. We know that they need to get to the holding blind. They need to get to the line and they need to get back to the truck. So we're taking a dog that is predispositioned to want to go and we're creating these tasks, you know, in them a little bit and we're we're kind of enabling them to be a little bit a little bit you know too too eager to get to the line or too eager to get to the holding line because we to your point that you know we we hope to get consistency so we create these routines for them 
And when we don't change out the routine, like getting them out and doing a uh, session of obedience and doing a different session the next time or going to the holding line, but then doing a session of obedience before you go to the line. So you're, you're changing the moments in time or you're changing their picture of when things could happen. So you're kind of keeping them guessing what they need to do. So they, they come out of the box and they, they're wondering, what do I need to do before I get to the line where right now, like I take a dog like Luna, she gets home, we get to the training ground. She comes out of the box. We go air. She knows that she's got to come to heel. She's got to get to the line and she gets, you know, gets to the line and she sometimes got happy feet because she's just getting that anxiety built up where I'm wondering now that we're, you know, kind of as we're working through this talk is, is how do we break the routine? and keep them constantly thinking of, you know, what do I have to do next to get to that line? And maybe it is, you know, inserting the obedience at different portions between the truck and the line and making them think about, Hey, just, just cause I'm out of the box doesn't mean I get to go do what I need to go do. There's something in between and how many steps I have to take is unknown because it changes. It feels like it changes all the time. Yeah. 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 That's exactly it. I, I think that's a huge part. And, uh, you know, today with Aries, I did the same thing you said. I and yesterday, in fact, so two days in a row without me knowing that I was doing it. Like you said, like instead of being conscious of it, I'm like, you know what he needs? He needs to come into the line, and, and he's gonna walk to the line. He's fired up. Boom! Turned right around. Correction with the collar, and healed away. And then we walked. I bet I did. 10 minutes of just heel work, sit, heel, you know, and all of a sudden you could tell that he just relaxed and he wasn't getting excited and anxious anymore that we were going to the line. And then we walked to the line and bang, bang, bang. And so breaking the routine, that muscle memory of truck, air, holding blind, mm-hmm. line, birds. And I, I, I do switch things up. So like every time I walk out of the holding blind, it's not marks. It might be we're running blinds. Or it might be a mark, then you run a blind, then you get your mark. Or there's other more advanced things that you can do with an older dog. But in the end, breaking the always and keeping them thinking and having them earn that reward of the bird should help cap that drive and have them be, what's the word I want to use? Maybe self-conscious, not self-conscious, but... uh, they're more focused on you. They're, they become more biddable and, and, and want to be more focused on the team because they're they're wanting to get there, so they're cooperating yeah. a little bit more to, yeah. to figure that out. You know, one of the one of the hardest things I've ever done as a drill wise is just take my crazy high drive dog from the holding or the truck to the holding line and then walk out and make him go sit on the honor bucket first. And now instead of honoring after it, they're honoring first and it's confusing and it's, it's a lot. And I, I, if I need a dog to, you know, to correct a dog for breaking, that's the way that I do it. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, and we make them come out of the blind and, and go to the bucket first. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, I think there's a lot of, a lot of truth to all that. It's, it's consistency is, is important, but it's, you know, watching the routines that we're creating and making sure that, that it's different and, and forcing the dog into to doing different things. So they're not, anticipating every action it's you know it's the same way we prevent autocast right you go back to the box or to the back pocket six times to one you know because we don't want to create a um a routine or a pattern that they recognize yeah um you know and it's it's even like you know there's i know that denying retrieves is something that's you know kind of super popular in our world and 
I, I had a, a trainer once tell me his name's Jordan Hardock. So he's a, he's a spaniel guy. And, uh, so he, he asked me why I denied retrieves. And I said, I don't know. It's, you know, they need to realize that every dog, you know, ever retrieves not theirs or, you know, she, she scooted or she, you know, she did a controlled break or whatnot. And, and he says, you know, it, it's pressure. It's, you know, you're creating control pressure, but you know, what if you tried not denying the retrieve, but now you have to do two or three things more before you go pick that retrieve up. Right. So now it's, heal away from the line. Now it's a healing drill. Now it's this, now it's that. And you're, you're creating these, these moments that are taking them away from the line and you're giving them an additional task. And then you bring them back and you let them get it. And then there's an anticipation that just because the bird falls, there might be an extra step. So you're creating, you're creating steadiness because of that, because they start to learn that it's not just bird falls and they go or marks thrown and they go that, sometimes they may have to do something different. So there's a conditioning that happens. And, you know, with Luna, it was, I started off with the denying retrieves, but it never really solved the problem. And incorporating this, this multiple step thing, if they, they start to creep or I need to, you know, to fix a break or what a control break. Um, and, you know, sometimes it just means that I've got a place board off to the side and I make her go place and then come back to me and then send her, um, you know, over the course of two, three months, it, it had a huge impact on, in her steadiness. And, um, I don't think that I'll ever deny a retrieve again because of it. Not to say that it's not, you know, that denying retrieves isn't the right way, but it's, it's breaking routines and breaking, um, patterns that, you know, that's forcing, uh, you know, her to be a steadier dog. Yeah. So phenomenal point, dude. This is, uh, this is a lot of value that is great discussion. I love, I love this. Um, so we were talking a lot about drive cap and I didn't know what drive cap was. It's a fancy, it's bite dog world. It's obedience people world. We don't use this terminology in the retriever training game. And so I'm trying to learn about drive capping. And as I'm listening to these people, describe it on other podcasts or you know making phone calls i'm like what the heck do you mean by this man he's like well you they have to earn it by doing this this and this i'm like shit we already do that we are drive capping every time you make a dog earn what they want and then earn it a little more and then earn it a little more and like so an example would be a baby example would be a puppy and a food bowl and making them learn to wait for their food and then you know telling them it's okay that would be a form of drive capping. They're food drive, and you're making them do X, Y, and Z until they can get it, right? For a retriever, right. it's your steady. You have to sit still, see marks fall, run a blind, then pick up your marks, or just sit still and then pick up your marks. That's still drive capping. But, but doing what you're saying with, like, the example of not just doing a denial where they watch you go and pick it up and then – then you throw it again and pick it up and all of a sudden they sit still and now they get it. That is drive capping. But having them do a few extra tasks like you would a puppy eating the food. Hey, sit. Okay, now shake. Lay down. Okay, go eat. Right? We're starting to incorporate other tasks to get them to earn it and then they go and get it is interesting and a really cool little thing that I'm thinking about my young gun dogs that are about to go home in three weeks, you know, for, for hunting season, I'm thinking, boy, that would be cool. Like they're standing next to you, sitting next to you, throw a mark 
hey, Kennel, go jump on the place board, send them from there, like a remote send. Right. You know, just make them think a little bit off their feet because stuff happens out in the duck blind, and just having them think uh, would be cool. Yeah. 100%. And sometimes, you know, I think there's levels of severity too of, of the work that, and I don't, not in a, mean, uh, in a means of correction, but, you know, a controlled break is a lot different than them scooting their butt. So the amount of steps that I, that I incorporate into that, that process is really a reflection of how bad they really screw up. Right. Did, did I, did they do a controlled break and I, I needed to call them back 10 feet and then I'm going to really make them work for it where something's smaller. So even the routine after that isn't, it isn't creating a pattern because sometimes, you know, again, it, we don't want them to the scenario where you're off in a, a house dog, a, a treat and they're spinning around and sitting and rolling over all at the same time, trying to figure out which one they need to do, which behavior they need to offer up to do it. I don't want them offering behaviors unless they're asked. So I don't want the guesswork of, Oh crap, I messed up. I need to go do this, this, and this offer these behaviors and then I get to go do it. No, I'm going to tell you what you need to do because that's the piece that you missed. We, you missed the fact that I, I asked you to do something and you chose to do something different. So you're going to have to earn it, you know, essentially earn that retrieve by completing tasks that I ask you, not that you just voluntarily offer. So that's where you're keeping that switched up and, and even that process of, you know, Hey, we're not going to deny it, but let's do some work um, has to be different as well. I think. Yeah. Plus it builds memory. Yeah, there you go. A happy byproduct. A happy byproduct. Very cool, man. I love that little, those are some great little training tips. But, uh, all right, so we've talked about your website. We've talked about the cool products that you got on there, especially that new bird bag that, you know, maybe Uncle Kevin is making a little note in his brain for uh, Christmas for, for his buddy Bob. Um, and, you know, great little training tips. But let's talk about the contest. Let's do it. Let's do it, buddy. I'm excited for this. I am too. I, and I was I was hoping to have it out at noon today, but got sidetracked with work in uh, my, my normal nine to five. So it didn't happen, but uh, I'm about 90% ready to uh, to have it. And should we do it? I'll probably put it out first thing in the morning. Yeah. So we, it'll be Friday morning. All right. Well, we should probably, what we'll do is we'll launch this podcast before like KD and maybe Clark's so that, people who hear it tomorrow will be in tune with the post that yeah, we I make. Can, yeah, I can put this up tomorrow morning and then everything aligns well. Beautiful. So does that move you off the C list and back to, into the bottom of the B list? or? Oh, no. No, you might be D list. <laughs> You're D for Doug. D for Doug. <laughs> By the way, all right, Doug, before we get into the contest, uh-huh. did you watch Doug Funny when you were a kid? I did. Doug Penny Man ain't no are you, uh, are you like our age? Oh, all right, so you got a year or two, but you're still in the Doug Funny range. Oh, yeah. Patty mayonnaise and all. Oh, baby. So, little known fact, every listener, Kevin's nickname when he was a baby, young boy, you know, a toddler, was Doug Funny. We used to love watching the show, and my dad used to call him Doug Funny. And, uh, yeah, and I, I still know the, the theme song. I'm expecting Kevin to have a red dog named Porkchop someday. Oh, oh wow. Red dog. He was like blue, wasn't he? Don't you have Goldens? Oh, good call. Yeah, I do. Thank you. And yes, she is a red dog. dog. Yeah, all right. I'll get there. If it's a fluffy, we probably couldn't be friends. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. All, all Goldens matter. 
<laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank it's you. 2021. We can't I judge. Appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah, no, pork chop would be a great name. That would be a good name. Yeah. All right. Well, you need to get another very dog. Very Traeger esque too. Like, ooh, smoke them. Smoking pork yeah. chops. I'd work on that, but yeah, there's something there. No, great show. All right, let's get into the contest. Sorry, I digress. <laughs> so, how, yeah, who, who came up with this idea? Doug did. Uh, you know, I did. Yeah, I was uh, talking with Pete, Mr. Pete Fisher from Doctra, and uh, we were talking about Master National. I said, you know, I'd really like to do a giveaway. Would you be gracious enough to to help me out with it? So he said, sure. You know, I'll send you a 1900s, and uh, instead, he sent me an Edge RT. So for those not in the know, that's a pretty nice, expensive collar. And uh, one of the things that I think, uh, you know, that I struggled with most as an amateur trainer was just going and getting knowledge from, from reputable sources. You know, YouTube was, uh, was not a safe place for getting retriever knowledge. It screwed up a lot of, uh, a lot of tasks that I was trying to teach my dog. So I wanted to, to incorporate a trainer that was offering value to the community and uh, who else would I uh, go to but uh, Mr. Uncle Bob? Well, who did you go to first, second, third, fourth, say, and fifth? Am I the C list? Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, Z, yes. You know, um, Mike Lardy told me no. Danny <laughs> Farmer told me no. Dennis Voigt said no. Those bastards. Rex Carr. Yep. Yeah. Um, but then we ended up on you. You know, it was it was a good. Uh, it was good. No, I'm, I'm super excited about it. It's, you know, we're, we're going to, I'm going to call it the, the SDG. So soggy dog gear, no pro challenge. Um, and we're going to, we're going to give away the edge RT. I've got a building and retriever, which is just a, a book about retriever drills. So not how to train a dog, but just cool drills and things that you can do with your dog to develop skills like double T and, uh, teaching X and Y drill and kind of getting into the more micro details of, and the nuances of how those drills work. Uh, you're going to throw in some collars and bumpers and I got a Cato place board. You can start working on uh, early puppy development with the place board. And then, uh, you know, we've got 30 minutes with Mr. Bob Owens for a private Q and a, which should be, you know, the highlight of, uh, the whole contest given it, I'm going to assess the value at about 500 bucks for that half hour. <laughs> you're gracious. Yeah. <laughs> they can get it free on the podcast, but yeah. I dig it. So Doug's not a math guy. That's okay. <laughs> no, that's all right. Yeah, you know, but they can get it free, but do they get to ask the specific questions that they want? So what's the value of that? That's a good point. One-on-one, 30 minutes, rapid fire questions, not having to, uh, to hear the same question. I mean, to hear, <laughs> to hear a question uh, from somebody else. Oh, I dig it. So they get to ask specific questions. So no, it'll be good. So what we're going to ask is you basically go out, uh, use some creativity, be funny. I mean, it can be serious, but go out and create a 60 second or less video of why, uh, why you need, need help. You know, what, uh, you know, what makes you not a great dog trainer and it's okay to, uh, to make poke fun at yourself, make fun of yourself a little bit, but the, the funnier it is, I think the, the, uh, the easier it will be to make it into the final. So I figured me, you, and Kevin can pick the top five, and then we'll send it off to Instagram to uh, to pick the final winner. I think that's awesome, man. And, and really, it's geared around helping Brain. helping someone who is having a good time training their dog, and they want more. And so you're giving them some tools of the trade to do the job, as well as, you know, just let's have fun together. Let's all chit chat about training dogs and how do we problem solve and 
man, I'm in. I, I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. And and hopefully we'll get the you know the the bigger the turnout. I'm I'm hoping to be able to do it again next year and and get more you know, more, uh, more sponsors involved and, and get bigger prizes. So we can, we can make a really good run at it this year. We'll, uh, we're going to make it really big next year. That's awesome. Well, I dig it. Why don't we throw a bag of Yukonuba in on this contest? Yeah, for I'll sure. pay, I'll pay for that. Done. All right. Done. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We can think of some other stuff yeah, too. And we'll throw in some lone duck gear. Yeah. Hat and t-shirt or something. How's that sound? Perfect. And we'll uh, we'll throw it out there for what ten days I think from uh, from Friday I think tomorrow is probably the 29th, or tomorrow's the thirtieth so we'll call it uh, ten days from the thirtieth. Beautiful, yeah. Now what? So exactly what are the rules? Because you kind of had it written down. They had to be eighteen years or older. Uh, it's not yep. sponsored by Instagram. They have to tag. No profanity. Yeah. Keep it clean. Clean humor. Family fun. Family friendly. Um. And, that, and that's really, it's got to be in by uh, 11.59 on the last day and uh, be in the lower 48 just from shipping. I guess we could probably open it up and ship it wherever. I guess yeah. that's not that big of a deal. So if it's 18 so or older, Hawaii, we, can't, we can't send them any of the other bush stuff I have laying around the house. That's good to know. I won't include that in the package. Perfect. <laughs> so if you're 21 and over, you might win something else fun. Yeah, maybe. Hey. Yeah, see how right. it goes. I'll throw a six pack in my <laughs> of tall boys too. I'll go. I'll go crazy. Fancy. That's right. He doesn't tell you that they're empty cans because you can't ship alcohol. <laughs> Only if you get caught. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bubble wrap it. That's right. Tin foil. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm really excited for this contest. So, uh, jump on. It's at Soggy Dog Gear on Instagram, and you know, by the time this podcast airs, you're going to be able to go on his Instagram. Follow him and then read the the detailed rules. And over the next couple days, figure out what you're struggling with your dog and why you need our help and why this gear package will help you. Shoot a less than 60-second video and be entered to win. Bingo, bango, bongo, baby. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. There it is. Well, I'm excited, man, and I think I'm really excited that you're going to be at the Master National with uh, with Pete. He's he's a class act. He's been on our podcast before, and wealth of information. He is a retriever trainer himself and is, like, retired from it. He sold his business and now works as, like, the head of sales, you know, pro, pro guy. And God, I've known him for 10-plus 10, 10 years, and he's just – genuinely a class act so yeah he's a lot of fun to be with i'm i'm super excited about being master nationals. it's the closest i'm going to get to master nationals while i still have kids in the house just the amount of time and, and effort to train a dog to that level i'm uh i'm, I'm years away so i'm just excited to go out and, and get to hang out with everybody meet a bunch of new people and rep an awesome product and uh, get to just get to watch the dog work cool man the lord knows that i'm uh, about 15 years from having enough time to go do that Nah, hard no, buddy. You got this. This little Luna dog sounds like she's a real contender for it. I mean, she, she's a talented dog. She's probably the most talented dog I've ever had. I've, you know, she's my fourth lab now. Um, she's got her dad's gene. She's, you know, we just competed in the uh, Northern Michigan Retriever Cup Super Singles, and and we uh, we won that. Nice. You know, she was crazy fast, crazy accurate, but uh, 
I got to figure out how to, how to control her, her impulse and, and get her a little bit more under control. Got some swim by issues to figure out, but, uh, she's crazy talented. So maybe five or six years from now, you know, you might see us out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can do it, buddy. I think you can do it. Uh, last couple questions I want to ask you is I want to know a little bit more about your duck hunting and your, and, and what you like to do up there. What is, what is your hunting season like? So my hunting season is really different now that I've had kids. Um, you know, my, my goal right now is 100% to getting them, uh, my, my youngest, or I guess my oldest, uh, involved in the sport. So instead of doing the, you know, going up to the UP or, um, the upper peninsula or, you know, heading out across the state, I've, I've become more accustomed to hunting, uh, a lot of state land puddle ponds and, and really small lakes, easy accessible from a six year old, um, just to really get in them in. So I, I've kind of given up the big water chasing divers and whatnot. And, and, uh, right now we're really just focused in on, uh, on chasing puddle ducks with a six year old. And, uh, I do, I'll, you know, when he's not with me, I do, do, uh, do, do. Uh, some chasing of honkers. So we do a lot of field hunting. Um, not quite where I live, but about two hours north of here, I've got a, a friend that's got a, a, a goose hunting club, so to speak. That's a, a fairly large couple of leases that, that we go and chase honkers in the field on in uh, late season mallard. So we do a lot of duck hunting, um, a lot, a lot of duck hunting, but I also probably equal amounts of, of grouse hunting. So I'm pretty fortunate that the back of my property butts up to about 15,000 acres of state and federal land. So I can literally walk out my backyard and I'm a quick go-kart ride or a golf cart ride into, into grouse habitat. So I spend a lot of time chasing grouse and then uh, I can drive within 30 minutes to be in Woodcock country. Good for you. Uh, You uh, you take your Labradors out there for the old grousies? Yeah. So I have, uh, you know, I've I've got my first lab. She's a, like I said, she's a pointing lab. She's a, a grandmaster in the ATLA and, uh, she does, fairly well with pointing grouse. Um, she's not a, a German short hair by any scope or an English setter. Um, but in the means of a versatile dog and being able to handle grouse, she does a great job. Uh, her daughter is a, is all in on a flushing. She's all in on flushing. She, her drive does not give her any point whatsoever. <laughs> so I have, uh, I've gone from German short hairs to labs and now uh, flushing lab. So I've spent a lot of time trying to understand how to train, um, train a flushing dog. So we're really just kind of breaking through and, you know, I, I use a different type of whistle for it. And, uh, I've used place boards to really develop the quartering and her draw. And, uh, we're just now starting, uh, drills to develop that, that steadiness, um, after the flush. So we've got homers and whatnot. So even when we get out in the grass, that's really what we're going to be focused on this year is getting her steady through the flush, not necessarily through the shot, but um, I'm going to use this season to kind of really develop that and narrow that down. And hopefully if I get out to South Dakota at the end of the season, November, early December, I'll, uh, that'll all pay off. Good for you, man. Good for you. Well, like I said earlier in the show, I, I am planning to road trip it so I can bring sweet girl, Andy, my English setter out to Michigan, hang out with my buddy hammer and uncle Ron and you, and, uh, I would yep, love, sir. love, love it. Where are you in Michigan? So if you're looking at your left hand, right where your pinky and your ring finger meet, I'm basically right there, right there on Lake Michigan. I'm probably, uh, I don't know, six miles from the, from the lakeshore up in Traverse City. So I'm about two hours north of Ronnie. 
I got you. Cool. So when I come down, we're going to have to rely on him to come up with some covers because I don't I don't typically head south. I, I normally go north. Very good. And then me and you will drop some pins on Onyx or something so we can go <laughs> snipe his spots. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're Ronnie, so I wouldn't put a lot of credit into defining grouse. But, you know, we, we might find some porcupines. I was you thinking, don't have a German you're dog. You're going to end up finding a pile of beer cans. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. You just follow the empty Miller lights along the road, and you're like, oh, this must be it. That's awesome. No, he, he's been there a long time, so I'm sure he's got some hot covers. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll hopefully get him to share a couple of them. I'm really excited, man. I, I It'll be probably late October will be my guess. Late October uh, into maybe early November, which is – Maybe not the best time per se, but perfect time. Oh, perfect time! Best time. That's what I want to do. Yeah, excellent. Late October, it's perfect. Early October, um, especially up where you know, once you start pushing north a little bit, there's a lot of leaves and whatnot. But once you get into that that fall shuffle and the birds start or the leaves start dropping, and you know, you can start seeing and getting through the woods easier. You can get into that uh, prime cover, and that's really when the birds start turning on. So you're becoming at a perfect time. And honestly, that first snow, if you, if you you know, if you happen to get that first snow while you're here, that's probably the best time to go chase grouse. At least it's the most fun for me. Why? I just like it. It's, you know, you can, it's, it's a little bit telling you, you can track the birds in the snow. You can see their, see their little feet and, uh, you know, you can get into good covers and you quickly find out where, uh, where the birds are and where they're not, but it honestly, it's just the prettiest walk when you get into the, the popple and the aspen and you've got fresh snow and, um, it's just, it's just my favorite time of year. I love it, man. Well, I'm really, really, really excited. All right. Tell everybody one more time where they can find you and the, uh, the contest and, uh, go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, uh, at, soggy dog gear super easy you can find us on our website soggy deer soggy dog gear.com and uh no i'm just uh happy to be and glad you uh you had me on man it's been a lot of fun it has been a lot of fun we should do a happy hour again like whenever you want uh are you still doing hunter happy hour you know we uh once we got into the hunting season um it was really hard to keep up on it and uh it, when I headed out to North Dakota to go hunt with Tyler and we were both out hunting till dark, it, you know, it was two of us missing and it just, it wasn't practical to kind of keep it up because, you know, we're dog people and hunting people first. And then the show was kind of just something we were doing for fun to get through COVID. Yeah. And, uh, so it, it fell off, you know, we, I think we all miss it a little bit and, uh, I think we'd all enjoy it doing it probably not the frequency of which we were, you know, grinding one out every week, but, uh, no, I think it would be fun to get everybody back together and even if we do just a, a one-shot show just to, to get everybody back and drink some beers and have a good time so let's, i'll work on it let's set it up let's set it up before september or something so that we can do like a preseason. and it, i'm inviting myself right now by the way uh yeah because well, it was that much fun when we were on it but uh let's do it man. and we worked through a b and c list already so <laughs> perfect timing damn i love it dang <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. That would be a lot of fun, and man, it'd be great to. I got we got to talk to Nick Larson again. See how his puppy's doing. Yeah, and his other dog, uh, I think Harley. Was, yeah, Harley. well, I'm trying to say, blue's ACL or yeah. something like yep, that. But he seems did. to he be doing ACL. seems to be doing better. So that's awesome. Hopefully, good enough for the season. Yeah, I talked to him. Uh, I don't know about 
three days ago and it sounded like he was easing him back into things and, and Hartley was doing well. So it's Good. super encouraging. And I think he's excited to have, uh, have both dogs back on the ground and increase his dog power. Yeah, a little bit. Sure. That's yeah. good. And just so everybody knows, Nick Larson is the Project Upland podcast guy. So uh, if you want to follow them as well, that would be cool too. But uh, all right, Doug, the man, the myth, the legend. Thank you for joining us on our show. I'm excited for our contest. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. Everybody, please do me a favor. Go to Soggy Dog Gear on Instagram. Read the rules. Join the fun. You get a bunch of cool gear. You get a 30-minute Q&A with me. Let it rip, baby. Let's go. All right, Doug. Thank you for joining the show, man. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Hey, if you haven't done it already, jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Couchers. If you enjoy the show and want to support the show, if this show has helped you and your dog grow together, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer and you get more one-on-one from me. You get content that doesn't hit Instagram or YouTube and it enters you to win a free hunt with me and Kevin in Missouri this dog season. So jump on, links in the description. We'd be happy to have you and love to help you. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.